Welcome to the Backbox Pinball Podcast, a podcast for lady pinballers and their friends. Each week, we will sit down with a guest and chat about news and events related to women in the sport and hobby of pinball. Now here's your host, Lauren Gray. Welcome everyone to the Backbox Pinball Podcast. We are in episode 21. I can't believe we, we've had 21 amazing women on the show. And or we're about to have number 21 on the show, I should say. We've had 20 amazing women so far. And I'm really excited to have our next guest on. She is ranked 11th in the women's bracket. And she is from the Portland, Oregon area. Please help me welcome Ms. Zoe Rabel. Yay! Hi! Zoe, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm really excited. There's a lot of news going on about women's pinball and you and a very special group of ladies have been at the forefront about that. And I'm excited to talk to you more about that later in the show. But for people who may not know you, could you tell us your pinball origin story, how you got started in the hobby and where you're at today? Sure. So I've been playing pinball in general and competitively for a little over 10 years now. I started back in uh, 2009. I was a senior in college in Portland, Oregon, and I started going to this bar near my college that had four pinball machines. And then I started dating the bartender who was really into pinball at the <laughs> bar with the pinball machines. And I was like, okay, I like being good at bar games. I was playing pool competitively at the time. I liked darts. I liked, you know, pretty much anything that you can compete at while also drinking. And so that's, that's how I got into it at first. He was really into it. And I just like to be good at things. And uh, since then, I've taken on running events in Portland and supporting other people who are running events as well. Um, and I've gotten to travel for pinball, gotten opportunities to play at the Women's World Championship and things like that. So it's been, I dived in and immediately got hooked and have not stopped playing competitively since. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, I, I do see your name quite a bit. I I've been on the competitive scene where almost like at the year and a half to your mark. But, you know, as soon as I came on to the scene, yours was one of the names I, I saw frequently at, you know, some of the bigger events. So I was very excited when you you agreed to come on the show. Um, so, yeah, no, I think everybody has that similar, you know, kind of start, you know, wander into a space. Oh, that sounds that looks cool. <laughs> That's yeah. No, I, I, I'm so excited to have you on the show. And, and again, thank you for being here. Um, so one part of the show we do, everybody, uh, is pinball news. I feel like I still need an intro for that. I, I was talking to the lady, like the lady, um, that does the intro for my show. And I'm like, I think I need something jazzy. <laughs> she just laughed at me. She's like, okay, we'll figure something out. But, uh, All right. yeah, yeah Let's like, make, it you know, make it jazzy. I'm doing jazz hands y'all. Um, but yeah, we, we need something jazzy, but, uh, there's been a lot of news going on. We just wrapped up pinball expo. Um, I got a chance uh, to talk with uh, Rachel and Rebecca last week uh, from the Chicagoland area. They were so much fun. You guys would would have heard that um, already, but we had such a great time talking about the show. And, and I felt bad because I until we got to the very end of the show, I didn't mention Rebecca's costume. It was amazing. She was like Elvira, um, you know, Bride of Pinbot. I was like, what is, this is the most amazing costume I've ever seen. Yeah. When I, when she was in the commentating booth, I was just like, what am I looking at? This is amazing. There's such a level of commitment and artistry to dressing up as bride of Pinbutt, who is dressed up as Elvira. Exactly. See, she took it to, and it was funny. So before we started the show, um, we were chit-chatting and I was like, oh yeah, you know, um, I dressed up as, uh, 
uh, Winifred in the from Hocus Pocus or whatever. And she's like, oh, did you make your costume? And I'm like, no, I went to Spirit and bought it. She's like, it's okay. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, I am not, I am not crafty in any way. Halloween is not my holiday. So I'm always impressed when people come up with something creative that looks great. Yeah. And it was one of those things where, you know, we had our, our fall ball event and everybody's like, let's do costumes. I'm like, oh no. I mean, I like the idea of dressing in costume, but I, you know, everybody else like makes theirs and they're so cute. And I'm like, sorry, y'all, I had to go buy mine because I am like the least crafty person ever. I appreciate it, but I have no creative gene in my body. I'm like, can, can I buy that? that? Thank God for Etsy. Thank God for Etsy. <laughs> yeah. I've been advocating for the Adams family as a couple's costume with me and my boyfriend because like I I have a black dress. I can totally pull off a Morticia, but he refuses to shave his beard. So I don't oh. have a Gomez. Oh, yeah. Cause yeah, the Gomez, you got to have the, the small you gotta mustache. Gotta have the mustache. Yeah. It's, he, it's important. It's important. It's a look. Oh, I'll, have, I'll have to send you a cute meme. Somebody sent me a cute meme of Gomez uh, talking about wooing. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I want Gomez Adam to be my boyfriend. I mean, I love, I love my husband, y'all. Love my husband. Nope. <laughs> Yeah, but, so, there's, but there's part of there's a Gomez in most good men, I would say there's an element of that. <laughs> so true. So true. The first piece of pinball news. I think this is really awesome. Um, they've been talking about this for a while. But Jersey Jack has come out and stated that a standard feature in their new machines moving forward is going to be the capability to hook up Bluetooth headphones and do uh, Wi-Fi updates. So no more USB stick, which I think is really awesome. I know people are kind of like, well, I was like, why wouldn't you want to have headphones on? (laughs) Especially if you're somewhere loud when I'm at a competition, I would love to have a headset on and be able to hear the music or hear the call outs. When I'm at my own home, it doesn't matter. But for people who are out in a bar or things like that, it's, it's a really nice feature to me. Um, what what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm not someone who plays wearing headphones because I like to hear the noises of the game. And Same. I have liked to see the, you know, like headphone jacks, but that still doesn't work. I'm someone who's very um, animated when I play pinball. So I'm going to pull the headphones out of a headphone jack in a minute if I'm like jumping back and making a slap save. So the idea of having Bluetooth headphones and really being able to zone in on the game and get rid of distractions without making it harder for myself. That sounds like something I'm really excited to check out. Same, because I know a lot of women and other players that I'm in the leagues with, they are very big on their headphones. And I bought, I even went out and bought a set of wireless headphones because at first I was getting tangled in the, because I'm, I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm very animated when I play and I'm like, I can't deal with this cord. So I buy, but I still haven't used them because I'm like, I want to hear the game. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's like either you, there's even a timing aspect where, you know, I know exactly what sounds happen when I want to be able to hear all of that so that I can set up my shots correctly. And I just don't feel like I get that same engagement with the machine when I have headphones in and I'm listening to something else. Yeah, no, completely agree. So I'm very excited. And I feel that if Jersey Jack is doing this, Stern and everybody else is soon to follow. Because this is not a hard piece of technology to, you know, integrate into a machine. And also the Wi-Fi updates, I think that's amazing. I mean, I my machines are older. That's not really a Wi-Fi updatable thing. But for people who have newer games, I would think that this would be much easier to just push updates like you would with any other you know, operating system. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I don't even know where my little USB stick is. And so if I had to update my Iron Maiden or my Hobbit right now, I would not be able to literally because I don't know where the little external drive is. But yeah, that would be a great feature. So I'm looking forward to that as well. 
Yeah, so well done, Jersey Jacks. Four stars. Four stars. All right, and the other big thing, and I didn't get to, obviously I didn't see it because I was not at Pinball Expo, but um, there was a debut of a new game from a new manufacturer, Haggis Pinball, released a game called Celts. It is a Scottish-themed pinball machine. Did you get to look at the video at all, Zoe? I did. I had no idea. I'm honestly not super clued into new develops and developments in pinball. I wait until things are on location where I can find them. I'm just not super aware of what's going on. So when you sent me the link to the This Week in Pinball and there was that video, I was watching it and like, I had no idea. And as someone whose family is very Scottish, like I love the whole <laughs> the whole concept. And I think the thing that I that stood out to me the most was just the care with which the modes were designed, the idea that different features of the play field actually correspond with different um, Celtic sports and the idea that there's an actual narrative to the modes that you're playing rather than just uh, shoot this shot and then that shot, I guess that's a mode. Um, it made me think of something like Adam's Family where it really uses the play field to tell a story. It was a very narrative-based you know, pl- gameplay. Uh, there were two different main modes. Like you could either do a um, battle the clans, you could battle the different Scottish clans, or you could participate in the Highland Games, which would be like the cable toss and things like that. Um, but there were different shots and different things you had to do to, you know, get through those modes. It was very interesting. I am very intrigued and I would love to get an opportunity to play it. Um, you know, my I always want to keep my fingers crossed because I know it's so hard to break into this as a manufacturer. So it makes me very excited, especially after hearing about Suncoast, you know, having to shut their doors and, you know, Cosmic Carnival, unfortunately, you know, isn't going to get the the love it deserves. But at the same time, it's one of those things where, you know, you want to see new people doing different things. And and I like the artwork. It was a bit a bit cartoony, but I did like it. And I just, I thought it, it looked fun. And that ho- big horseshoe at the back looked like a lot of fun to shoot too. We'll see how it goes. Um, but I wish them all the best. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, even if they only get a limited run, just having them on location or having them in people's homes and getting feedback and being able to maybe do a future machine even better is really cool because you don't, when you don't have the infrastructure of a Stern or a Jersey Jack and you're just starting from scratch, you want to make sure that you're doing something that's sustainable and scalable in a way where you can set yourself up for success. Yeah, definitely. So best of luck to them. One of the big reasons, obviously, I wanted to meet Zoe because I've heard so much about you. Also, Zoe was one of the women that is on the Women's Advisory Board that was just announced by the IFPA. And we had Karen Kaiser on and... So I love this because it cracks me up because all of my friends and everybody in my league, they're like, Lauren, you're the pinball media. You're a pinball influencer. I'm like, shut your face. I am not. I'm just a normal person. But Karen was like, Lauren, you're part of the media. So we can't really talk to you. I was like, what? And, but she all, I, I got this vague, like, we're, we're doing a thing and we'll tell you more about it later. And, and then I had... Uh, Kim Martinez on and she's like I can't tell you I can't tell I'm like what are you like under direct orders from the government not to tell me like I really can't tell you and literally I the next day I had posted that episode and like the next day you guys announced it I'm like really guys really it was it was so hard to both develop it but also make sure that it was fully baked before we put it out into the world because we wanted to you know get feedback find out what um, 
women in pinball are thinking about and what their priorities are, but also wanted to make sure that we had everything, all our ducks in a row, you know? So we didn't even realize that it was going to launch when it launched. We were just waiting for the final um, language changes for the first update that we made to the IFPA POPO rule set, specifically the personal conduct session or section, personal conduct section. Um, And we just we were going to announce and it was whenever they were able to publish the PDF was when we could announce. So we didn't even have a specific launch date. We were just <laughs> waiting for that final update to happen. So we'll step back a little bit because I knew that you guys were having this discussion. I knew that it was originally your yourself and Karen and a few other ladies. Who was the kind of original group that decided to come together and what was kind of the impetus to kind of made you guys come together? That is a good question. And it's I think the origin story is interesting because it literally was just me, Karen Kaiser, and Tracy Lindbergh were having some feelings about the IFPA women's dollar fee that was announced this summer, where starting in 2020, women's events would need to pay $1 per player to the IFPA in order for the uh, for their women's events to be worth IFPA Whopper points and um, to qualify for the women's world championship and the, that money would go to the women's world championship prize pool. And we felt like the feedback was not necessarily solicited in a way that allowed women to feel heard um, that there weren't a broad enough variety of players whose input was considered. And we were just having some feelings about it, like on both sides where we understood the push and pull and the tensions that um, the IFPA has to deal with, but wanted to just talk it out together. And so we got on a Skype call and then we realized that it was more than just the women's dollar fee, that we had some other topics of concern. And um, we just decided why not reach out to Josh Sharp directly and say, hey, can we talk to you? We think that um, considering women's perspectives in a more um, structured way would be a good idea for your organization. Uh, we had no idea what to expect when we got him on that first Skype call, but he was really um, open to it and really supportive and basically just said, you want to do that? Great, go do that. And we said, whoa, 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 we're all pretty much the same person. We're three brunette white ladies with male partners. Uh, we don't really have that much diversity of perspective here, so it shouldn't be just us. And so for the next couple of months after that initial call with Josh, we were really just gathering feedback from women that we knew and then women that they knew and really tapping into the um, female pinball player network that has come up over, I would say, the past decade or so. There's so many more women in so many more regions who are um, doing great things and who are visible. And so we wanted to make sure that we were crafting a board that could speak for as many perspectives as possible. Yeah, definitely. So we have, we, the collective we, the the women who have been on the show and myself um, have spoken at length about the dollar. And it really was just a kind of a big issue because just, and I know every single person that this has come up with, they just felt like their voice hadn't been heard. And I know that there was some talk about possibly starting a separate entire ladies league. It would be like a break from IFPA. Uh, Can you tell us maybe why you guys decided not to do that and stick with the IFPA? I think that there are two main things. One is that the IFPA has 10, 15 years worth of data. They have a lot of experience with what they do. And I think that the 
level of effort that it would take to start a brand new thing and figure out the math behind rankings and make sure that everything really made sense and was tested and tried and true. That's a huge undertaking. And I think that the reason that we started with the existing structure was just to say, hey, is there a way for us to find a path forward without doing all this work? Like, I don't (laughs) want to sound lazy, but (laughs) I think that if we can work within the existing structures, we don't have to, you know, start from scratch and reinvent the wheel. And just from our first conversation with Josh, ever since then, he's always been so supportive and in listening to our perspectives and in kind of giving us free reign to push decisions forward that we think are are best for women in pinball. So it's been honestly a surprisingly positive experience. And that's one thing I do want to give a lot of credit to Josh and to Adam and the, the folks that kind of behind the IFPA scenes. I know that there's maybe a misconception that, you know, because I kind of have been a little critical about this whole dollar thing. And a lot of the people who have been on the show have as well. But we know how hard they work. And I know that they are trying to do the best they can. But it's hard to make um, inclusive decisions when you don't have the right people at the table. Ding, ding, ding. That is 100% accurate. And I, you know, I was from the beginning pretty vocally opposed to the women's dollar because I did not find it to be fairly set up. I thought that um, if you have two thirds of your women for the women's world championship, if two thirds of the qualifiers are coming from the women's open rankings who are not paying a dollar fee that would go towards the prize pool, what you're actually doing is taking dollars from women who are getting involved in women's only events that are kind of geared towards increasing inclusiveness, increasing people's participation who might not otherwise participate. You're taking dollars away from the newest people in the sport and pushing them towards these women who have been competing forever, who um, who are just kind of like not necessarily paying into their own prize pool. So for me, it it was a little bit like, I understand why you want a mechanism to fund the prize pool. I don't think that this is the right mechanism, was my perspective. You know, not without putting words in everybody's mouth, that was kind of the collective idea. Like, there was just a sense of unfairness. And I don't think that that's what they meant at all. I think that, in a way, this was like, well, we're doing this for the men. Let's do it for the women. I'm like, yes, but you're not, it's not quite equal. It's not quite the same. I was kind of interested to see how that was going to play out. So in sitting down with Josh and sitting down with the IFPA, what do you see the women's board's role? What are you bringing to the table? What are you voicing opinions on? That is a good question. And I think it's a two-pronged approach. One is that as women and as people who are clued into the wider women's network, um, we have a sense of things that female pinball players are looking for that the IFPA previously may just not have realized were topics to be addressed. Uh, For example, when we're talking about something like women's events, which are trying to increase the number of women playing pinball, there's some restrictions, such as if you're running an event at a private home and fewer than 16 people attend, it doesn't count for points. And for open events, Sure, that makes sense. You don't want to just have someone who had their friends over and get points. But if it's a starting out women's league where you're not there yet, you're not drawing 16 people on a regular basis, that's something that only women would notice as being a deterrent to running a league or starting a women's event out of someone's private collection. So that's uh, kind of the first prong is just, hey, here's issues that you may not have even thought about. And then also just making sure that 
the female perspective is represented in regular IFPA decisions. Because sure, there is a women's ranking, there are women's only events, but there is also open stuff that still includes female players. And one pet peeve of mine is when people are saying there's the women's events and the men's events. No, there's the open events. Women are playing in the open events too. Um, And we want our perspectives to be heard in open events as well as in women's events. Because a lot of it, especially at kind of my local league level, I say Mm co-ed. Because when I say open, sometimes people are like, what do you mean? It's co-ed. And they're like, oh, okay. But I don't like to me, co-ed's kind of a dated term. Um, mm-hmm. So I usually try. I'm like, co-ed means open. I'm going to keep on saying open. But I think that we need a voice in both sections. But you're right. Like, it's always, oh, well, ladies, you have your stuff over there. And we'll be over here. And I'm like, well, we're part of that group, too. Exactly. <laughs> we may not be large in numbers, but we're a part of the open division as well. Yeah. And that's just where I have come up from. In Portland, I was always one of, when I started playing in 2009, one of a few women who was playing in these open co-ed events. Um, and that's just always been my focus. I've always, the tournaments that I run are open tournaments. The tournaments I compete in, for the most part, are open events. And so I've worked really hard to be a woman who is proving that you can just be a good pinball player. I think that there's an unwarranted sense of like, oh, good for a girl. I'm like, no, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Just full stop. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I thought that it was very intentional and I, and I did like your intention, the way you guys kind of systematically went about it. Karen talked to me a little bit about that. Um, I, I've mentioned it on a couple episodes. I, I am a person of color. Um, so I thought I, I appreciated your intent that you guys were like, okay, we're a bunch of white ladies. We're going to go look for some other people. And when I saw the the listing of women that were a part of the board, I was incredibly happy to see the diversity of people that you guys ha- have included to make sure that all women, all people who identify as women um, are included. So I, I really appreciated that. Um, so, so kind of walk us through. I know that there are several women. I don't know most of the women on the board, um, but are you guys going to just be kind of a collective voice? Do you guys have maybe like specific things that you guys will be tackling? Yeah. I mean, we're still figuring it out. You know, women are not a monolith. We don't all speak with one voice or have the same opinions, even within the board and even within, you know, the different levels of representation that we've made sure to include. And I think that it's important to include diversity intentionally, but also not to say, oh, this person is important to this board only because of that one perspective they bring. It's making sure that there's people who are really smart and engaged with pinball and also have multiple perspectives. So we have, you know, um, people of color on the board, LGBTQ individuals on the board, mothers on the board, people who play in women's events, people who play in open events, people who play in Sweden versus the United (laughs) States, a lot of different regions of the United States. So um, the six of us who are the initial version of this board. And I think we don't fully know what it's going to evolve into and how long it's going to be this particular structure. But um, currently it is um, Olivia Helm, who is a Bells and Chimes member in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, Kim Martinez, who was on your podcast recently, she runs events at Level One Bar in some part of Ohio that Columbus. starts with a C. <laughs> Sorry, Kim. I the, Ohio scares me. Um, there's, they all start with C, and I, I never know which one. Um, so it's 
Olivia Kim Juana Summers, who is based in Baltimore. She's just starting a Baltimore Bells and Chimes and also run, helps run an open league down there. Uh, Anna Wolk, who is based in New York City. She was the founder or co-founder of the New York City Bells and Chimes chapter, which was the first kind of franchise after ECA started uh, Bells and Chimes in Oakland. And then me and Karen are the other two members of the board. Um, so I see that, I see kind of like, currently it's just all of us expressing our opinions and figuring out kind of what are we going to do. Um, but we also do have very specific niche interests. Like Kim is specifically interested in um, creating resources for tournament directors and specifically encouraging more women to be tournament directors of both women and open events um, and making sure that there's just more women represented at the high levels of tournament direction. So that's one way in which we're, we're talking about making more resources for tournament directors, helping tournament directors who have to deal with personal conduct issues handle those in a more uh, sensitive and welcoming way. And then there's also things like, what should the Women's World Championship look like in the long run? Are we really creating a premier event that's a test of skill that showcases all these great women who are still in the hobby? How can we um, add our perspective there? And then, as I mentioned, just the little details of IFPA things like eligibility, making sure that women's events are available, but not the only thing that women can do, things of that nature. Yeah, no, I think that those are fantastic. I love Kim's um, resources for tournament directors. And it's one thing I do notice. We're lucky in Texas, we do have several um, very kind of powerful personalities and people that are very involved um, in the, the women's events. But it's not the case around the country, from what I've noticed. We're the exception, not the rule. But it, it's important because, again, when women have uh, challenges and issues at events, they're going to feel much more comfortable going to a female TD, in my, in my opinion, than, than, than possibly a, a male tournament director, or at least having somebody on the staff there represented, um, I think, makes a big difference. Absolutely. And I think also it comes down to there are experiences that many women have in common from being at pinball events where they have not necessarily been treated as well as they should have been. And being able to take that lived experience and combine it with, you know, I have training in equity and in facilitation and mediation and things like that. So not every TD is going to come in and say, oh, I know how to have these awkward conversations with someone in my league, whether it's someone who is making women feel uncomfortable, or if it's just someone who's rage tilting and making everyone feel uncomfortable. So we want to make sure that we we offer those ways of talking about it, ways of dealing with it that are um, kind and fair and restorative rather than punitive and making sure that if anyone wants help we, with those things, we have a, a deep bench of people who know how to talk about them and know how to give advice about it. Yeah, I'm, in my mind, you know, that the facilitation piece of it, because I do a little bit of that um, just in regular non-pinball lore in life. Uh, mm -hmm. but it's one of those things where, you know, if we had tools and things on the website or, or small trainings that people could go through, like, you know, mediation training or some type of, you know, working with difficult people training. I mean, a, a lot of us kind of laugh at those when you get them through HR, uh, but it, they're so helpful when you have to do things like that. I am a TD and I absolutely hate conflict. <laughs> and I'm like, why did I sign up for this? I'm like, <laughs> I, I want this to happen. But it's like, literally, I tell them, I'm like, you guys know I hate this so much. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, honestly, in some ways that works in our favor. I'm very similarly conflict averse. And so I want, I want everyone to like me, but I also, I've worked hard to cultivate friendships with most of the people in my community. So when someone does, you know, rage tilt or something, I have the standing and the friendship to go up to them and say, hey, uncool. Don't do that. Like we both know that wasn't cool. Right. And that doesn't have to be confrontational. That can just be, you know, and I know that you're being, I can't swear on the podcast, so I don't know what word to (laughs) use. (laughs) You're being a jerk (laughs) and we both know it. So why don't we just both not do it anymore? And I I think that um, a lot of people think that conversations need to be a lot more fraught than they have to be. I also think that there are situations where you do have to be very straightforward and make waves, which is not necessarily what any TD is signing up for. I think that there are situations where sexual assault, sexual harassment, stalking, these things come up and it's unfortunate that they do come up, but we want to make sure that when they do, TDs know how to shut them down in a way that doesn't make it worse. And I think that trying to make everyone happy is not going to get you there. You have to be focused on what behavior is acceptable for your community as a whole and tell people, hey, your your behavior does not line up with what I want to see in my community. So you you have to take a step back right now. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, you know, and Tracy and I and Kelly talked about this not, you know, like two episodes ago. And we were discussing that there's the comment that, oh, that doesn't happen in my pinball community. And that's great. But you know what? And I, and I would actually be one of those people. I'm like, for the most part, we're all super chill, which is great. But unfortunately, I have been to other events where, you know, it's kind of a show us your tilts sort of thing. And it, and, it, and I see it and it just, it, I'm like, oh, it, it's like, it's, it's all true. It's like, you know, I hear these stories. I read these stories. You know, people pull me aside and they're like, you know, so-and-so did this, this, and this. I'm like, what? Um, and it makes me sad, you know, but I, I feel that if women collectively come together, share their stories, share their voices, and know that the IFPA is going to actually kind of stand behind their word and put out guidelines and, you know, make people accountable to a certain, I mean, it is a pinball association, but make people accountable. Because I feel that they're all like, you know, that's the status quo. That's Mm -hmm. how it's always been. It's, you know, whatever. I didn't mean anything by it. And (sighs) things have to change. There's a reason why I have this podcast, Mm -hmm. because I wanted female voices to be heard. And I feel that we're at that point, we're at the top of the tide, that everything's changing. And I think a lot of people are not okay with that change. Have you felt any negative feedback so far? I mean, everybody seems to be pretty positive. But again, I'm living in my own little like lady bubble. We're so awesome. But Mm -hmm. I'm waiting. I I even as the podcast, you know, lady podcast, haven't gotten the negative, you know, kickback yet but has there been any native negative feedback to you or to any of the the board members about what you're doing i mean i we we were prepared (laughs) for there to be honestly i think that we have seen how this how these kinds of changes have gone in other subcultures and you want to be wary when you see just how bad for women other male-dominated hobbies have been um but literally nothing bad has been oh, said great. yet, which is weird. Um, but I, I've, I've just been impressed and shocked at how little, at least 
public outrage there has been about it. Every comment on every post that I've seen about it has been really positive. Um, I will say that I don't read Pinside. So if anyone is like talking crap about us on Pinside, I have no idea about it, which is ignorance is bliss. And I'm happy with that. But it's also similar to what you were saying about how people say, oh, that doesn't exist in my community. It might just be that you're not seeing it. It might just be that people are out there being mad about it or being bad actors, and it's just not filtering to the top. Um, And we take any sort of feedback very seriously, whether it's um, you're great or here's something I think you could do better. But the one thing that we're not willing to do is justify our own existence. I think it's very clear why the Women's Advisory Board is a good idea, and we're not willing to debate that or argue that. It's very much like, yes, women's voices do need to be involved. That is a baseline truth. And so I don't, I'm, we haven't had to justify ourselves to anyone saying, well, why do you need this? But um, it seems like if we ever do get that feedback, there are plenty of people who can jump in and say, well, here are five different reasons why a women's board is a good idea. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have to to thank the allies um, that I've seen. I stay off Pinside because the only time I ever go to Pinside is if I need to check a pinball machine price or if I need a, a fix or something mechanical for my machines because... Uh, I'm sorry. I feel that it's very toxic for the most part. Um, I do kind of tend to be more on tilt forms because of, you know, my TDing and things like that. But my thought is that for the people who are being allies, their role is very important as well. You know, sometimes they can be a little, uh, a little too much. I was like, oh, you went too far. You jumped the shark, <laughs> but I appreciate it. I'm like, I'm gonna give you some credit for for doing what you're doing, but um, you know, it, it's it makes me feel good when I see posts because I have because I spend a lot of time on social media because of the podcast. Um, you know, the the comments like, why do they need that? Or da, 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 da. and I was like, oh lord, and I'm like, you you are the reason why we need that. Just because you said that comment, that's why we need this. I mean, there's there's also nuance and there's things that work for some people that don't work for others. And I think that um, if people aren't willing to be a little bit more self-reflective and understand that there are gray areas and that not every woman feels the same way, like a joke could totally land in a certain context with a certain female player. But if you say it to someone else, she might say, oh, no, that makes me feel weird and uncomfortable. You have to just be able to read the room and be a little bit more aware of yourself. I think that that's really the only thing we're pushing for is, sure, you can't just have locker room talk with your buddies anymore because people are playing pinball from a wider variety of backgrounds. And you have to recognize that being kind to everyone and being welcoming to everyone requires everybody to work a little bit harder and to change a little bit and bend and give. Um, So I think that people who have trouble with change and nuance might feel like we're trying to come in and control how people act, but that's truly not what it is. We're really only looking at really egregious outside of the norm cases of conduct. Almost everything is probably fine, but you know, just be a little kinder and be a little more aware of how you come across in the world. Be kind. We live in a world that I feel sometimes is lacking in kindness. And and we're in a, a hobby that is a very, very uh, small hobby. Everybody seems to know everybody. And I'm like, how hard is it to be kind? And, and I'm like, would you say that to your grandma? Would you say, would you say that to your grandma? It's like, no. Would you say that to your daughter or your sister or anything like that? Would you? No, that's terrible. And I get the, uh, 
And I am kind of on the other end of the spectrum. I'm actually pretty hard to offend. I've always had jobs where I work with men. I've always had jobs, you know, I've always been around men, like men-centered careers for the most part. So again, my skin is pretty thick, but at the same time, it's like a little itch in the back of my mind. I'm like, it's like, I'm not offended, but you shouldn't say that in front of certain people because they could be offended. Or, you know, well, I don't think that blank is offensive. And I'm like, yeah, it may not be offensive because it's created for your gaze. It wasn't created for mine. It's not created for everyone. It's just created for you. And we, I I feel that, you know, the next, and and this is just Lauren's opinion, that the, you know, the, the first part here is the Women's Advisory Board, but kind of the next step is to kind of hopefully, you know, have some change within the manufacturing, kind of the creation of pinball to have it be a bit more inclusive. And I really Mm -hmm. hope that that's kind of where the evolution of pinball is going to go. Um, You know, I like seeing more women involved in the hobby, of course, as players, but I feel that that's like kind of the next big hurdle is to get women more involved in the, the manufacturing side of that. And I mean, it's, I feel that it's not intentional, that it's a boys club. It's just, that's just, again, it's one of those, that's the way it's always been. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, those things have to change. And I feel that the women's advisory board is one of those things that's going to lead us down that road. Yeah, absolutely. And I think your point about the actual professional roles in the industry is a really important one because sure, we're volunteering our time to make sure that women are more represented in the hobby, but we're not getting paid to do that. And it's not uh, changing the actual economic landscape. So seeing places like Marco um, hiring Crystal Gemnich, uh, Rachel Bess, um, who else is out there? Emoto is out there doing her stuff. And like, I like seeing that and I would encourage more established places like Stern, like Jersey Jack to also look at their current employee spectrum and think, think, hmm, how can we make sure that women's voices are involved? How do we avoid missteps? Like, for example, um, when American Pinball came out with Oktoberfest and a monkey was literally reaching up a woman's skirt. Like, <sighs> that is so easy to avoid if you have a woman in the room saying, mm. but if you don't realize that you need that voice and if you don't have a person who can be that voice, you're doing a disservice to yourself as a, a company. Yeah, definitely. And it, it was one of those things when I saw the artwork and I heard about it and I'm like, you know, if this had been 10 years ago, I mean, oh, yeah, whatever. But now, like, this just happened last year. Mm-hmm. It was very surprising to me. But again, if they had had any woman in any capacity in that room when they're showing the art, I mean, I would have been the first to say, yeah, that's probably not going to go over really well for somebody who has a family or just women in general aren't going to like that. Um, I just don't understand why the monkey needs to do that. It made no I don't sense. think that, that is what a monkey does. I think if a monkey was serving beer at my bar, it would not be doing that. Like, that's just not how monkeys operate. He, they would be like eating a banana, exactly. not groping a lady. Yeah, it was very odd. And I'm like, uh, this is just somebody who thought it would be cute. That kind of artwork and that kind of environment had its time. And and we live in a different world right now. And, and I think that's been a challenge for, for a lot of people to kind of, you know, make that turn and make that kind of realization. On behalf of all the ladies everywhere, I want to say thank you. Because again, you guys aren't getting paid. You're doing this, you know, for free. You're spending a lot of your time to make the hobby more inclusive and make it a safer and more 
engaging environment for women and people who identify as women. So thank you to you and to everyone on the board. I really appreciate all you guys are doing. Thank you, Lauren. I appreciate that. We're going to get to the, I mean, that was fun. That was a fun (laughs) conversation. Serious, but fun, you know, informative. But Zoe, we do have, as we wrap up the show, we have a segment on our show called Inside the Pinball Studio, where we get to find out more about you and your pinball mind. Are you ready? I am so terrified. I was telling Karen, I was like, is there homework? Was I supposed to prepare? (laughs) So we'll see if I have. uh... I think you're going to be okay. So for our listeners, they know this part. You know, I'm not this week in pinball. I don't have like 80 million segments. I have one. But it's, I don't like to prep people because it's like, I don't want you to like study and them to be really rote answers. I want to kind of catch you off guard. But at the same time, I'm like, every once in a while, I'll get somebody like, I don't know what to say. Yeah, I I think like the hardest one is if you're going to ask me like, what's my favorite pinball machine? I hate that question. Oh, well, question number (laughs) one, Zoe. Oh, no. What machine do you love? You know what? (laughs) Everyone in in Portland is so tired of hearing me talk about this, but I am a huge Gilligan's Island apologist. (laughs) I don't know if anyone out there has played Gilligan's Island, but I think it has a very undeservedly terrible reputation. And I am on a one-woman crusade to teach people why I think it's an extremely well-balanced game that has a lot of different strategies and a lot of different things to be thinking about at all points in time. Wow, you are on that hill by yourself. and I I really am. Like there was a poll in our um, Portland pinball Facebook group that was like, what does everyone think about Gilligan's Island? And I was the only person I was like, I love it. It's my favorite. And everyone else was like, it's mostly trash. (laughs) Oh my God. That's the best. All right. Question number two, what game do you hate? What game do I hate? I mean, if it has flippers and they both work, I'm pretty happy. But uh, I think that, Oh, this is a tough one. I'm just going to go with my gut and say that recently I have been really struggling to understand the rules of Oktoberfest, to find the shots on Oktoberfest. That That is a game that has never quite landed for me. Um, I like Houdini just fine as far as one can like Houdini, but Oktoberfest has just never clicked for me. And that's a game that I have been losing a lot of important matches on recently. You know, we don't have one locally. I've played it a few times when I've, I've been traveling and, and I in enjoy it. I haven't locked it down. Like I haven't really kind of dialed in the shots and things like that for Oktoberfest. I feel like I need more time on it. I like it. it does, it's not a There's game just that so much. to me. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit, it's a little overwhelming. There's a lot going yeah. on. And there's like 16 different beers that you can choose and you can choose them multiple times. And then there's different tents. Like there's just so much to think about. And I appreciate the detail that they've put into their game design, but I can't even get that deep because I can't hit the shots for the first <laughs> mode or whatever. So, so we'll need more time on Oktoberfest then. Um, yeah. All right. Question number three, what is your favorite pinball art package? This can be back glass, cabinet, play field, or all of the above. This is a very difficult question for me because I have like no visual skills. Uh, I'm not an artist. I don't know anything about design. Um, When we make our t-shirt designs for this annual tournament that I run, I basically just sit back and say, everyone else make the decisions because I have no idea what looks good. Um, So all of that is to say, oh my gosh, I don't know. This is so hard. I'm like drawing a blank. What is a pinball machine? What do they look like? <laughs> um, 
I guess, so I think part of why I'm struggling with this question is I don't want it to be a licensed property. I don't think that for the most most part, pinball machines that are licensed art, they never look good. Like Game of Thrones is just a bunch of actors photoshopped on a back glass, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm more interested in something that's um, an original property where everything comes together and looks really nice. Um, I guess you know, solid state games. I'm thinking like Scorpion, Volcano, weird solid state games like that, where it's like psychedelic art. There's like reds and greens and flames and creatures and things like that. Um, Or something like Paragon, where there's so much going on in the story. Paragon, you know, Fathom. I'm a huge fan of Xenon. Like that early Mm -hmm. solid state era when there was just so much original artwork. We were talking on the last episode with uh, Rachel and Rebecca and Rebecca was talking about Centaur. Like you would never see Mm. something like Centaur now. Like just because of the- It's so bad, bad ass. Sorry. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) This is, that was my first swear. I, I, Lauren gave me rules. (laughs) It's not too bad. But it's one of those things where- you know, you like, and I think Rebecca made a good point and you wouldn't see that, you know, today it's mm-hmm. because that kind of art would just take so much time. Yes. I'm going to steal one of your uh, examples. I think Fathom is probably some of the best art out there. Oh. I think it's beautiful and like the kind of blue and green and underwater tones. It's yeah, that is a great art package. And we actually used it as part of our art for this past year's Portland Pin, Pin Brawl t-shirt. It was um, the fisherman from Fishtails thought he caught a fish, but uh, he actually got caught by one of the mermaids, mermaids from Fathom, Fathom. Oh. and they were pulling him underneath oh, the, the water. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's awesome. Oh my gosh. I love that one. All right. Question number four. What is your favorite pinball sound? This can be sound package, music, particular call out. I... Um, <laughs> I like to do impressions, so I have quite a few pinball callouts in my back pocket that if I know exactly when when in the game they're going to show up and I know exactly what the cadence is and what the words are. Um, so there's a couple from Creature from the Black Lagoon, Elvira, Scared Stiff, um, Adam's Family. I think all of those have some very cheeky, fun, uh, punny, but also like fun to listen to call outs things like um what's a good one well played thing <laughs> you really lent a hand or like um even just the oh the scared stiff one is the best like what are you dead or something watch this <laughs> i'll get him up like those are those are fun and um always good for a laugh and then also the medieval madness trolls when they go um mm, human burgers one of my <laughs> friends just does the best troll impression and every time he does it it's just it makes me laugh i am a huge fan of the adams family even though you know everybody's like oh adams family i'm like you know what it that is a near perfect it's a classic for a reason and i was like you know i i get people are like well you know there's so many of them made and you know it, I don't. I, I guess it's saying like a cheeseburger is your favorite food. I'm like whatever. I don't care. It's it's beautiful and it's perfect, and mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, but I, yeah, no, I think those are some excellent answers. Question number five: What is your favorite festival event to attend in or play? I mean, is Pinburg a cop out? I mean, it's obviously Pinburg is the most popular answer. I will say that. I mean, I'm not going to call it a cop out because it is pinball summer camp, but it is a, it is definitely the most popular answer. Yeah, I mean, I think that the format is just perfect for someone like me who's so focused on 
competition and playing well on all eras of games and constantly bettering myself as far as pinball is concerned. Um, I honestly wish that I could make it more of a social event, but I'm so focused on playing well and standing for 12 hours in a, in a time. So I, I don't do all that much outside of just playing during Pinburg. Um, but I think that that is really the one that I look forward to every year. I've gone to four Pinbergs so far. Um, and it's just, it's a fantastic experience. It's so well run. The games are in such great condition. I just don't think anything can compete with it. Pinburg's a hard one to top. You know, we get a lot of Pinburg, a lot of TPF. Uh, some Indisc, you know, New York Pinball Championship, Pinball Expo. I mean, they, they mm-hmm. kind of run the gamut. 24-hour battle. Yeah. I've never been to that one, but that that would be a great one. By far, everybody's, you know, Pinburg, Pinburg. <laughs> yes. And, you know, if I'm going to be more local, I'll say the Northwest Pinball and Arcade Show in Tacoma is another one that I look forward to every year. They have a great format there. Um, is that the one that was just in, in May this past year? Is that the... Um, early June. Early June. Usually. Okay. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I definitely, I love the, the Pacific Northwest. I'm a huge fan of like the Seattle area and I'm really hoping to make it up there this year, uh, for that event. I was really impressed by the, the way they handled things that had developed at that, around that particular show, but that's definitely on my list of shows to do. So hopefully I'll get to see you sooner rather than yes, later. Please. Yeah. Come see us. Yeah. No, definitely. Uh, question number six, what is your grail pin? Do you own it or is it still out there? Um, Well, I think that any pinball machine I don't own is my grail (laughs) pin at this point. Um, We have, how many games do we have? We have five games total, me and my boyfriend. We have um, Solar City, Jungle Queen, Iron Maiden, Hobbit, Harlem Globetrotters. So I think that what we're missing is like a mini flip EM. I'm thinking something like Wild West or... Uh, what is that game? There's a super weird game that I found at Pinburg that I can't remember, but it has a bunch of women playing pinball on the back glass, and then they're playing the game. Like it's called like uh, it's on my Instagram. I'm gonna go Instagram this or something. Um, it's called like Top Score. I don't know. There's so many different you know EMs out there, and I love those little mini flipper EMs. I, I am a fan of the older games. I'm not saying I don't love the new. I love all pinball, but I am a mm-hmm. fan of uh, Solid State and EMs in particular. I there's just something about them that I love. Super Score Super is the name score. of the game. Okay, so that is the, has... the new Grail. Super Score. Yes, Super Score. All right, I like it. We'll include a link to uh, to the game so you guys can check it out. All right, question number seven. Who would you most like to play head-to-head? Or who do you enjoy playing pinball with the most? Um, I have a cheesy answer for this. This is the one question I did kind of prepare for. If I could play a game against anyone right now, I would choose a game that can be a six-player game, so probably like $6 million man, and I would have all six members of the Women's Advisory Board Ah. play pinball together because I haven't met most of them in person, and I haven't played pinball with most of them. I've played with Tracy, I've played with Anna, but I've never played pinball with Kim or Juana or Olivia or Karen, even though she's one of my best friends. Like We have just never played together, and so I would love for us to just be in the same place and be able to play a six-player game. Oh, that's... Oh, heart emoji. That is so sweet. I love that. Um, that that's a good answer. Aww. All right. Final question. Question number eight. What is your dream theme? This is a theme that has not been produced, but that you would like to see come to life by a major pinball manufacturer. 
There's a lot of thinking going on, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's a lot of thinking. Um, I I definitely am pushing for games where a woman is the main protagonist. Um, here, here. So I like I like things like Xenon or Elvira or Bride of Pinbot, where in many cases the woman is the the major focal feature. So I'm thinking, and I know is it Julie Dorser who has already done this like retheme, but a Wonder Woman pinball she machine? Did. She she reskin skinned a, an Electronimo, I believe. Um, I think. And she reskinned mm. it into a Wonder Woman theme, but like classic Wonder Woman, like Linda Carter, you know, comic mm-hmm. Wonder Woman. Um, but yeah, it I looks amazing. I would like amazing. to see Stern. I would like to see Stern do like new Wonder Woman Gal Gadot. Oh, I love her. Theme. And I bet that there could be like some sort of, she has like a m- invisible box shield. I don't know what, I don't do superhero okay. stuff. What is her? She has the she invisible has jet. Show. So she yes, has the invisible, an invisible jet. jet. And she has- I would love to have some sort of feature where the ball is stopped and you can't tell why. And it's because it's inside an invisible jet or something oh, like that. Oh, that would be so cool. Like some kind of way that they like, kind of like magnet kind of hold it somewhere, suspend it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be so cool. And then part of me, when I thought about the invisible jet, because if you guys, you know, if you're a certain age, you remember the Halls of Justice or the Justice League cartoon and she's flying around, but they had to outline it. So she's just not floating in space. But like maybe the actual... Um, cabinet could be like clear acrylic or something like i love it yeah like, I love like it. because it's like they don't really talk about her invisible jet in the new wonder woman she's got the bracelets and the larry of truth and all that but i'm like oh guys the invisible jet was like the best part <laughs> yeah i think there's quite a bit to play around with there and do some um fun things that have never been done oh yeah definitely i i, I think wonder woman i'm surprised that that has not made it further down because it would appeal to, uh, you know, lots of people, women and men. Um, you know, it's a very popular franchise. I mean, they're still making Wonder Woman movies. So it's mm-hmm. not like it's out of date or not popular. I'm like, Wonder Woman is very on trend right now. So to me, I think it's a, it's a great choice. Thanks. I'm glad you agree. Yes, and I'm glad that there agree. already is one version of it out in the world. Yeah, I know. So let's update it. Yes. If you're listening to anyone at Stern. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, well, Zoe, thank you so much for taking the time out to come on the show and, and talk about the Women's Advisory Board. And, and I really do hope to have the re- the other members of the board on so, so we can get a chance to meet them as well. For anybody who wanted to to reach out to you or to the board, what would be a good way to, to contact you guys? That is a great question. I was going to ask you if I could plug this. We do have an email address. It's ifpawomen at gmail.com. And so if you have any feedback, questions, ideas, things that you think would have to do with women in pinball, shoot us an email. We're happy to chat about it. And then also one of our upcoming initiatives is we're hoping to get a survey out to people who identify as female in the pinball community in the next couple of weeks, gathering more information about who they are, what type of pinball they're playing, and what their priorities are. So we're hoping to um kind of have a more organized sense of what the female pinball community cares about once we do the survey. So um, 
once we get a link out, I'm going to be sharing it on, on like every social media page ever and encouraging everyone to share it with their female pinball playing friends. So keep an eye out for that. That's another way to yeah, definitely, uh, get your information to us. Yeah, we'll definitely put that out um, as soon as you guys will we'll spread the love as well, because I think it's very important to I love metrics. So I'm like, oh, that would be good to at least have an idea, kind of a snapshot of what where people are at in the hobby and, and mm-hmm. how, you know, the board could better serve and help them. Um, I think that's, I think that's a great idea. So, Well, thanks. I make surveys for a living. So <laughs> as soon as we started talking about things, I was like, I can do this. So that's my initiative right now is creating that survey and getting it out there. Oh my God. Uh, no, I think that's uh, fantastic. So again, that was IFPA women at gmail.com. If you want to reach out to Zoe and the women's advisory board, uh, Zoe, are you out just yourself? If people wanted to follow you, are you on Instagram or Facebook? Uh, I am on Facebook and Instagram. I For Facebook, I only use it for real life, but uh, Instagram is Zvrabes. So if you want to follow for pinball stuff, so, that is the place to do it. Awesome. Well, again, Zoe, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I hope that if you guys have any other announcements or um, if you guys want to come back, I, I would love to have yourself or anybody from the board on anytime. I'm so happy that you are doing this and shining such a great spotlight on the many women who are out there doing great things in pinball. So thank you for having me. Oh, no, it was my pleasure. And again, everybody, thank you so much for for tuning in this week. Um, If you have any comments on the show itself, feel free to email me, backboxpinballpodcast at gmail.com. And again, I will plug Patreon. If you like what you're hearing, you can donate or, you know, contribute. There's different tiers that you can do that at. Um, You can also get some swag if you are going to be going out to your next pinball event. You can be sporting the official Backbox Pinball Podcast t-shirt. It's very cool. Um, Those are both available at backboxpinballpodcast.fireside.fm. And again, everybody, thank you so much for joining us and keep flipping. Thanks for listening to the Backbox Pinball Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. To get pinball fun delivered to you every week, subscribe to our podcast on your podcatcher of choice. Also, we'd love for you to post a review on Apple Podcasts. To look at show notes and more, visit our website at backboxpinballpodcast.fireside.fm. Again, that's backboxpinballpodcast.fireside.fm. Thanks for taking us with you, and keep flipping!